0: Well, BYU football holds on to the old wagon wheel, but they do so in unimpressive fashion. They're four and one. We're talking about what to take away from this on today's show. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Always appreciate you guys checking out the show. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Underdog Fantasy. Sign up today at underdogfantasy.com with the promo code Locked On and get your first deposit doubled, up to a hundred dollars. We'll talk a little bit more about that as today's show progresses. This is coming to you very late Thursday night, early Friday morning. I was down in Provo doing pre and post game coverage for the KSL Sports Zone where work at my day job and then got home and sat down and I've got to be back at the station here in what? Uh, it's 12 o'clock. So it's, it's midnight. I gotta be back at the station in about five hours from now, but Hey, I love doing this. This, this is what I signed up for when I got into this industry. And despite me not getting a ton of sleep tonight, it was a crazy, crazy game. And we're talking about it on today's show. So let's dive right in and talk a little bit about what's going on with BYU. The good news. They won again. They're four and one. The month of September has gone about as good as you probably could have hoped for going into the season. They're ranked number 19 in the country. After this victory over Utah state, 38 to 26 is your final. I would assume a uh, barring uh, something crazy happening this weekend for the third straight week. I don't think BYU is going to stick at number 19 in the rankings. I would assume they move up at least a slot or two as they get ready for a showdown against Notre Dame in 10 days time down there in Las Vegas, which I will be in Las Vegas for very much looking forward to that trip. I'm sure many of the, You out there watching and or listening to this are going to be headed down there as well. And uh, I think this is a a, a little bit of a gut check for BYU because did they win in impressive fashion? No. Did they play all that well? No. Uh, Did they win the football game? Yes. I've talked about this on the podcast, my friends. Let's really boil down the essence of being a fan of BYU to this. You want your team, speaking of the Cougars, to have more points on the board at the end of the game than the other team out there. And that's exactly what happened with BYU in this game. I think another thing about this is is this was a rivalry game I know that the Utah BYU rivalry has a whole lot more hoopla Uh, A lot of more eyeballs, a lot more angst, uh, motion, all that stuff. But Utah State came into this game and played as if it was a rivalry game. I felt like BYU through the first half, this is kind of my overall observation. We'll get to some more nitty-gritty stuff here in just a moment. I think my overall uh, summation for BYU was the first half they kind of sleptwalked through this. I think they came into this game, no matter how much they may have uh, said that we're not overlooking Utah State, we're not looking ahead to Notre Dame, none of that's happening. The way they played in the first half made me think that they had taken a peek ahead at what was coming up in Las Vegas in just over a week's time. But they, uh, to their credit, they made adjustments at halftime, came out, uh, punched Utah State in the mouth. The defense actually made some fantastic adjustments, I thought, at halftime. Really bogged down what Utah State was having success with on the offensive side of the football. And BYU ends up getting the victory. And 38-26, to that Score line is much closer and I think this game actually was in the second half. There was a garbage time touchdown to Brian Cobbs for Utah State to get them those six extra points. It was 38 to 20. Uh what it was closer to more of what I thought this game was like. But was like I said, was it an impressive performance for BYU? No, the running game still has issues. BYU's de- defenses run game still has issues. BYU has a lot to work on. Kalani Satake talked about this in his media availability earlier this week, saying that he wanted to see his team put together an entire performance. Performance. He wanted to see 60 minutes of football from his guys, from the offense, the defense, and the special teams. Did they get, the th- get that in this game? No, they did not. But there is still hope. They can still work on this stuff. Is it getting to a point where maybe it is what it is? Yes, because we're nearly at halfway, folks. We're five games into the season. BYU's 4-1. and one. The next game they play against Notre Dame down there in Las Vegas, that'll be the halfway point of the season. It's crazy to think it's coming that quickly, but maybe just maybe, BYU's offense in particular is what it is. They have a superstar quarterback. Jaron Hall is as good as they come when it comes to playing the quarterback position in Provo, folks. Do not take for granted what number 3 is doing right now for the BYU offense. It, it, it's incredible to show to see what he is doing with the football out there. He finished this game, uh, more of a pedestrian game for him in many ways. 17 of 27, 274 yards, 3 touchdowns. That's a 63%, uh, 63 and change completion percentage with a quarterback rating of 184.9. And like I said, relative to some of his other performances this season, even going back to as recently as last Saturday against Wyoming, it's it it, it We should not be overlooking the fact that we're seeing one of the incredible seasons, at least so far, in BYU football history. I know that there have been plenty of quarterbacking seasons that have been absolutely stellar. We've seen 4,000, even a 5,000-yard passing season in BYU's history. Of course, that 5,000-yard passing season uh, yielded a Heisman Trophy for Ty Detmer. But Jaron Hall, doing what he's doing right now, should not be overlooked. Does he need more pieces around him, especially in the running game? Absolutely. freaking They've got to get this run game untracked somehow. The one thing that I am noticing, and this is just an observation, and I'm going to try and uh, dig more into this over the weekend as I do my film review that I'll have a, I'll have more of a, an idea on this, but watching this game tonight, BYU's running backs, all three of the guys we have seen tote the ball for BYU this year in large doses, speaking of Miles Davis, Christopher Brooks or Chris Brooks, and also Lopini Katoa, is the that the issue I think I'm seeing right now, and I kind of, it kind of pointed out, I pointed it, how do I say that? It was, it was kind of, clear to me tonight. The BYU's running back position right now, they are still thinking too much when playing in the, the scheme that BYU plays with. That wide zone running concept is, uh, they go it's essentially they slant and that's what it is. The offensive line goes one direction and they go to the, so they all step right or step left. I know this sounds way too simplistic, but it really is this simple in many ways. And then the offensive line is supposed to pick up whatever guys are in that hole that they are going to. The running backs are supposed to read off of that, make one cut and get upfield there is too much dancing and I I use the term dancing in the hole last night and many of you on social media had a field day with that that's what she said okay I get all that ha 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 that moving on from that is that the, the thing is you've got to be decisive I talked with somebody around the BYU football program this goes back a couple of weeks and it was actually after the Oregon game when the the running game was just absolutely abysmal and they told me, they, and the quote they used is, we miss Tyler Algier. And I said, okay, what do you mean by that? And they said that the thing about, about Tyler Algier that I don't think a lot of people notice, and I, if you go back and watch this, is that he was decisive in his movements when it came to playing the running back position. He would be patient, getting the ball, observing what was happening with the offensive line. And the, there's also issues with the offensive line. They, they're, they're getting schemed against in this. Let me be very clear that this is not all on the running backs, but... Tyler Algier's ability was to diagnose where he thought the best opportunity was for him to gain yardage. He made one cut. He would plant his foot in the turf, and he'd drive upfield. That is something I have not seen enough of from all three BYU running backs this year. Lopini Katoa has been dancing a lot in the backfield. Christopher Brooks, he did finish off the game better with his one-cut running tonight. I thought Miles Davis had moments where he put his foot in the turf and drove upfield and got good yardage. When BYU's running backs are decisive in running the football, it actually yields better results for BYU's run game, and that's something they need to hone in on here as they get ready for Notre Dame in 10 days' time. There's going to be opportunities for them to continue to obviously improve and hopefully have a better output in the stretch run this season the back half of the season you'd like to see more of that but the decisive nature for BYU's running backs it's been lacking and it needs to be tightened up and maybe like I said maybe maybe this is what BYU's offense is going to be it's going to be driven by the passing game One other note, BYU's wide receiving core, folks, maybe is the deepest and most talented it has ever been in BYU football history, period. End of sentence. Do not at me on this. I'm serious about this take. Pukunakua, Gunnar Romney, Keanu Hill, Cody Epps, Chase Roberts. You can go on down this list. Guys are contributing in a myriad of ways in the passing game for BYU, and that doesn't even count out the tight ends. Ethan Erickson had a fantastic high-point touchdown in this game coming off the bench. He hasn't played a lot this year, but a fantastic touchdown catch for him. Isaac Rex continues to do his thing. Mason Wake didn't play in this game. He would have liked to have had him in this matchup. The wide receivers and the tight ends for BYU, this is a fantastic receiving core for Jaron Hall to throw the football to. I know that BYU's M.O. under Jeff Grimes and also under Aaron Roderick during his time as offensive coordinator has been to run the ball to set up the pass this year at this point you may consider you know what we may have to pass to set up the run we may have to rely on the arm of jaron hall and the good news is jaron hall's arm is more than capable of doing that well well okay notwithstanding byron Vaughn's and some other utah state players apparently trying to take him out in this game i i, I still can't get over the fact that byron Vaughn's went into jaron hall's lower body like that that would have been flagged and suspended slash fined in the nfl that, that that play cost Tom Brady a season to a, a torn ACL and changed the entire rule book in the NFL plays like that. There ain't no place for them. And that, that was a dirty, dirty play. And I'm glad Jaron Hall appears to be no, no worse for the wear, And I sincerely hope that he's okay. He has some extra time here to get ready uh, for Notre Dame. And obviously, we'll need to do some rehab along with a bevy of other BYU players. I didn't notice a lot of injuries. there would probably be some bumps and bruises out of this game. I'll be sure to keep eyes on uh, the social media platforms as well as uh, hitting up our practice insiders for any intel on that. But I think overall... It was not a pretty performance for BYU. But, as we say at the end of the day, you always want to see BYU win the football game. That's what you want as a BYU fan. Am I, am I wrong? Do you want to see them lose football games? Absolutely not. You want to see them win football games, and they have done that. They have won four times in the five times they have been out there. Has it been pretty in many instances? No. Really, the most pretty performance for BYU offensively, I would say, is the USF game. It was a slog against Baylor. It was absolutely abysmal against Oregon. It wasn't pretty against Wyoming, and it sure wasn't spectacular against Utah State tonight, but they're putting up points, they're putting up yards, and that is the good news if you're a BYU fan. They're winning football games. It's a whole lot more fun to be talking about a 4-1 football team versus a team like Utah State, who is now one in four. Oh, by the way, just lost lost their starting quarterback for the season to a broken foot. Speaking of and Bonner. our best wishes go out to him, go out to him. That's a tough deal to have your career come to a close on an injury. All right, uh, I need to get to some of your guys's comments. I usually do a postcast edition of the podcast, but this is actually the Friday edition of the show. We'll get to some of those comments. We do need to talk about another glaring issue for BYU uh, in terms of the kicking game. It's just not good enough there as well. We'll get to that in just a moment. Also, need to get to my grades for BYU's performance. I I do these grades. I kind of give them in the immediate aftermath of a game and then I go back with my film review and I'll adjust accordingly after I rewatch the tape. But let's get to all of that here in just a moment. But first off, this episode is brought to you by our friends at Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to spice up the college football season yourself. The best part is about this is Underdog Fantasy makes it really easy to both sign up and play with them on their platform. The best part is you can do it while you're watching BYU or any other team you've got interest in. You guys can go go uh, on their website it's a bunch of over unders what it is so you you go on the website you say okay i think that this player i, I Jaron Hall, he's going to go, they probably said an over-under at 287.5 passing yards in a single game. You say, I think he goes over that. That's as simple as that. You make three to five selections and the best part is, you can win cold, hard cash. It's easy and available to play in over 30 states nationwide. Just pick between two and five players across any team, not just your team, speaking of BYU, and decide if they will finish higher or lower of those numbers. It could be running backs, uh, touchdowns for BYU or touches. it's, It's really that simple, my friends. It's one of the easiest fantasy uh, games out there to play and you can win hold cold hard cash in a single game as well give it a shot right now get to uh, underdogfantasy.com use the promo code locked on while you're there that's one word L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N and you'll get up to a hundred dollars deposit matched by our friends at underdog fantasy think about that you put a hundred bucks in you're gonna have two hundred bucks to play with it's really that simple my friends so once again go to underdogfantasy.com or find the underdog fantasy app on the app store or google play store once again that's underdog fantasy promo code locked on Get in on the college football pick 'em action today. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Always appreciate you guys checking out the show and downloading it, watching it, subscribing, rating, reviewing, all the different things you guys do to support this podcast. It means the world to us. We're actually nearing 100,000 downloads for the month. I know it's the final day of the month, but to have 100,000 downloads back in the day was like a full three or four months for this podcast. It's incredible the growth we have seen. And that's that's just the listens. The YouTube views, you guys have been astronomical. We're actually top five in overall podcast lists Listens on the Locked On Network for college shows in terms of just overall listens. And on YouTube views, we're in the top 10. Most of the schools that are in the mix on that are either SEC or Big Ten schools. So folks, thank you from the bottom of my heart for your support of the podcast. All right, let's talk about the kicking woes. Jake Oldroyd, love the kid, Great dude has answered every hard question thrown at him this year, but the fact that he's now one for his last six at this point, can you go back to him? No, you can't. I I, I think that BYU realized in this game that they have got to find another option to kick the football. The problem I foresee, and this is my observation, uh, is that BYU, they have Justin Smith on the roster, and he probably would be the guy. Excuse me. who takes over as the kicker for Jake Oldroyd, but the, the situation is, is that Justin Smith kicks a very low football and I know that this, this sounds so nerdy and I get that, but he got a kick blocked last year that I'm not even sure had one of BYU's offensive linemen stood up to their full height. It, I'm not sure it would have even cleared them. It would have gone off the back of their helmet, it felt like, and he got blocked in that game. He has a naturally low ball flight, which lends itself to kicks getting blocked. Now, they have a third kicker on the roster, Cash. Peterman who has shown all kinds of stuff on social media of him kicking really really long field goals but we have not seen him in a football game so you don't exactly know what to expect from him once the lights are on the noise is there and the, the fans are in the stands the, there's a whole lot to guys who show up in practice but can't do it in a game and it, there, there is something going on with Jake Oldroyd I don't think it's a physical issue like it was last year he had back issues last year that really knocked him out of the lineup multiple times that's when Justin Smith came into the lineup This year, it, it screams to me that there's, there's a mental block. And it happens to kickers. It happens in every sport. I, I play golf. Trust me. I've had issues where I seemingly can't hit a, a golf club. The, 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 it's a mental block. And to me, that's what Jake Oldroyd is dealing with. Will he bust out of it at some point? You could hope so. But BYU cannot afford to have him go out there and continue to miss kick after kick. The crazy thing about this is he made a 45-yard field goal in this game. He made the longest kick of the night. Then comes in and misses a 35 yarder and then followed that up by missing a 33 yarder. I may have got the order wrong there, but he made the long kick of the night, but he can't make the shorties. These are supposed to be the, the gimmies. Anything inside 40 yards for a college kicker even should be an automatic three points, but BYU has a glaring issue at kicker right now. I actually thought BYU special teams outside of that was actually pretty good. Hobbs Nyberg had maybe his best game of the season returning the ball in terms of kick returns. Didn't have many opportunities in the punt return game, but I thought he was very good. I thought that Ryan Rico, when called upon, was solid. Uh, not spectacular as he's been in other games, punting the football but the kicking game it's just not good enough it's similar to some of the other issues like it's crazy to think about uh in, so BYU's pass defense is actually pretty good I think their rush defense needs work BYU's rush offense needs work the pass offense is fantastic the punt game return game very good but the kicking game is just absolutely woeful for right now uh, woeful for BYU right now the, so the the thing about this is there are parts of BYU that are Operating like you want them to operate. There are the, there are other parts that are just like what is going on. It's like a, it's like you want to just beat your head against the wall because it's just the same issue time after time, game after game, and that that is the the thing I think is bugging most people out there, yours truly included. Is you you think about it, why in the world can they not get past this? But Kalani Sitake, I. I He's aware of this, folks, and if you think he's got his head buried in the sand, you're up in the night. I know Kalani is a guy who pays attention to what's going on with his team, and he wants nothing more than to see his team run the ball effectively, pass the ball effectively, defend the run effectively, uh, defend the pass effectively, and have a kicking game that he can rely on. He would love nothing more than that, but for whatever reason right now, it's not functioning. The thing I think be what you need to do on the kicking side of things is completely open it up. Tell Jake, we love you, but we cannot rely on you right now. If if at some point you get the the magic back and we we think that you're you're capable of getting back into a game and contributing, maybe then we'll re- revisit it. But right now we cannot rely on you in the kicking game, and that's going to cause issues for BYU because now at this point, if you're Kalani Sitake, you get past the what forty five the opposing forty five yard line is it four down territory from every uh, for every down there therefore going forward? I, I don't know. The kicking issue is a glaring one for BYU. It's similar to the rush defense because Utah State had 103 rushing yards against UNLV for the game. In this game against BYU, they ended up with hundred, me, 204 rushing yards on 49 attempts. They averaged 4.2 yards per carry. BYU's rush defense was not great in this game. It was better in the second half. And the crazy thing about this is BYU in the second half went to a three-down alignment. And I, they had a five-man box. The... the uh, I, I'm all over the place, so let me be very clear about this. My my head is spinning because I've been trying to like formulate how I was going to go about this podcast, and it's just there's so many things swirling in my head. So the kicking game is an issue, the rush defense is an issue, but the crazy thing about this is BYU at times in this game would load the box. They'd bring five, six, seven men, or they'd bring six, seven, eight men into the box, and when they did that, BYU actually got good results for the most part when it came to uh, uh, the opposing uh, to getting the ball carrier on the ground. It's late, folks. I apologize for my lack of coherence on this, it feels like. But the the thing about this is when they went with a five-man box, whether it was in the first half of the game when they went with a four-down alignment, they'd have one of the linebackers kind of vacate the space, and it was five against five. So five defensive line, five defensive players for BYU against five offensive linemen for Utah State. That's a win for the Aggies because the running back in that theory, all he's got to do is find where the BYU defenders are not and get the yardage. And that's what they did a lot in this game. And when BYU went with a light box, and what I mean by that is with a five-man alignment in the box in the second half, there were times where they had three down linemen and two linebackers there, that's a five down box. As, as Utah State and any other uh, coaching staff that knows what they're doing, they're going to look at that till their co- till their, till their quarterback if you see this alignment from BYU with just five guys in that box, and what I mean by the box is from tackle to tackle if there's a tight end in there, it includes the tight end, and from the line of scrimmage to eight yards downfield, that's what they call the box. If there are five or less guys in that box audible to a run and run it down BYU's throat every single time. I would If I was an opposing coach I would tell my quarterback you see that I don't care what the play call is you audible to a run and we're running it down their throat every single time BYU for some reason has continually thought that they can stop the run with a five-man box it is not working similar to the run game issues on the offensive side of the football where it, for whatever reason the, the the zone gap run scheme is not working the opposing thing where you think that it, with a five man box and a spread alignment you can put the other uh, seven guys not seven guys six guys out wherever you need to put them and think you're going to stop the run game it is not working the only time BYU got stops uh, then like I said I'm going to go back and watch this on film review so I'll have more notes on this but my live observation of this is when BYU went with a five man box and Utah State was smart enough to run the football against it they more often than not were successful in picking up very good yardage in those circumstances. That is a win for the opposing offense if BYU is going to go that light in the box. You can guarantee that Notre Dame, Arkansas, East Carolina, Boise State, Utah Tech, Stanford, whoever else is on the schedule for BYU down the stretch this season, is going to look at that and say, okay. Quarterback so-and-so, whoever their quarterback is, if you see BYU go with a light box where they've got five guys in there, even six men in certain circumstances, if you've got a tight end in the alignment, we're running the football audible to the run. I, I would do that every single time if I was BYU's opposing uh, team. In this case, it's going to be Notre Dame upcoming for next week. It, it it seems far too simplistic for BYU to be making the same error Time and time again. So I'm hopeful that they will realize this. If I'm seeing this, cause trust me, there's a reason why I'm in the media folks. There's a reason why I'm not coaching. But if, if, if I can see this, if I can see BYU is getting beat with a five man box, you can guarantee uh, Tom Reese, who Tommy Reese, who's the offensive coordinator for, for Notre Dame, uh, their their coaching staff is going to see that and say, okay, we're going to run the football all over BYU if that's what they're going to do. The Cougars need to load the box. They've got to bring five, six, seven guys down in the box and trust their corners and safeties to hold up in coverage and say, guys, we got to have you guys go one on one. We have to sell it to stop the run here early on in the game. Once we have established the fact that we can stop the run and made them one dimensional, and hopefully have built a lead in a game like this, that's when we'll start bailing out, maybe dropping some eight, seven man coverage units. But at the time for the time being, early on in the game. I'd like to see BYU trust these corners. Gabe Judy Lally going to miss the first half against Notre Dame unless his appeal is hurt, unless his appeal is overturned in terms of his targeting penalty. But D'Angelo Mandel, Jacob Robinson, uh, Jacob Boren, uh, Caleb Hayes on the back end, Micah Harper, uh, Ammon Hanneman, they all need to show that they can hold up in coverage one-on-one because BYU at this point, you have got to sell out to stop the run and it it's crazy to think about how much complaining i am doing here with a 4 and 1 football team but man Talk about one of the most, most frustrating 4-1 football teams you may ever find out there. But the good news is, BYU is 4-1. We'll get to some of your comments as we round out today's show here in just a minute. Uh, it's crazy to think about, like I said, that this is a 4-1 football team. And despite all of the warts with BYU, they still continue to win the football game. There's one positive note I have not hit on yet that I need to get to as we round out today's show. We'll get to that as we continue on right here on Locked on Cougars. Before we go here on today's show, the good news is that BYU has been very, very good controlling the football. And what I mean by that is they have gone four straight games with zero turnovers. Uh, Gregor Bell uh, tweeted this out and said it on the broadcast that it is the first time since 1972, yes, since Lavelle Edwards' very first season as the head coach of the BYU football program, that BYU has gone four games without a turnover. They have not given the ball away. Jaron Hall now has 12 touchdown passes against one interception. Lopini Katoa did fumble in that game, but uh, Clark Barrington, to his credit, guy who joins us on the podcast, was Johnny on the spot and got that ball back for BYU's offense. They have been very clean holding on to the football, and that, in many ways, is, I think, a big reason why BYU's 4-1, and one, folks. Like I said, despite all of the warts that BYU has right now, they are a 4-1 football team and I think you can point to turnover margin as a huge reason why. BYU is plus 3 in the turnover margin against Utah State. You cannot tell me that's not a huge reason why BYU won this football game. Defensively, some other things that were very positive. I felt like Max Tooley, yet again, starring role for BYU. Had the pick 6 early on in this game. Was actually a critical scoring play, if you think about it, in the, in the, in the end of this game. Also, John Nelson rounding into maybe BYU's best overall defensive lineman he actually uh, got a deflection on that pick 6 to Max Tooley, had a big sack later in the game, he is turned into an absolute force on BYU's defensive line, Tyler Batty had 7 total tackles for his credit, uh, he had 1 tackle for loss and a breakup on his own uh, Micah Harper and Taylor Alfrey. You don't typically like to see this, but they had ten total tackles each, and they're both turning into maybe the best uh, safety B- BYU has right now. Ammon Hanneman ain't it right now? The fact that he got shrugged off by a quarterback on that first touchdown, uh, Cooper Lagad just kind of just was like, "Yeah, move over here. I'm gonna I'm gonna get in the end zone here. You can't have that." If An- if Ammon Hanneman is gonna be that soft in tackling, it's Michael Harper and Taylon Alfrey. Those are the guys you go with because uh, right now Malik uh, Moore, uh, yeah, Malik Moore. He is unable to play right now because he has a hand injury. He broke his hand last week against Wyoming. So. <sighs> It's crazy to think about, like I said, how many warts BYU has, but at the same time, they continue to get the job done, and that is the positive if you're a Cougar fan. All right, let's get to some of your uh, some of your comments here for BYU. I know, trust me, I have there's over 100 comments between my Twitter feed, at Jacob C. Hatch, and the Locked On Cougars Twitter feed out there. Thank you for all of your responses. I'm not going to be able to get to all of them. I'm just going to sample some of them here. Uh, let's start off with Alec Turner. Uh, he says he's Alec Turr with a bunch of 7s and 3s and 2s in his uh, Twitter handle. He says, Run defense seems to be getting better in the second half. Also, the penalties, like throwing a shoe or shoving somebody's head in the grass, is a good way to keep teams in a game. You're not wrong about that, Alec. That's one thing I probably should have highlighted as well. The, ter- the penalty issues for BYU, they're playing undis- undisciplined in this game. They had 10 total penalties, if I'm saying, t- 10 penalties for 82 yards. You can't have that. Like you said, you can't be throwing a shoe. I get that it's, it's hilarious in the moment, and we all saw that Zach Dodd did it at, at Tennessee and didn't get penalized for it, but it's an point of emphasis. You cannot do that. It's an unsportsmanlike. It gives an easy 15 yards to to an opposing team. You can't tear off a guy's helmet like uh, Tyler Batty did early on in this game. The penalties, the undisciplined play, the the offsides, the false starts, all that stuff hurts you when you're BYU. I I actually agree with that. Uh, Alec has a very good take here because the rush defense did get better in the second half. They actually, when they loaded the box, is when they had the most success defending the opposing team. All right, next thing up, BYU Hawk uh, at Iowa is heaven. O-line has to show improvement in run blocking. We are way too late to adjust in-game by coaches. The play calling is questionable. They lack energy and discipline. That said, happy for the W, hoping the energy of Las Vegas kickstarts this team. I would hope so, BYU Hawk, because uh, this is something that BYU's got to figure out. They have to start faster. I completely agree. Uh, it just seemed too lackadaisical and lackluster in the early going of this game against uh, Utah State. It, it it felt like a game BYU came into saying, you know what, this team is 100 and whatever in this. They're 100 and whatever this. We're going to walk in. We're going to win this game. I think BYU forgot this is a rivalry game. And in many cases with rivalry games, even if it's been as one-sided as it has been for BYU in the past 50 years, it is still a rivalry game. And Utah State maybe played their best game that they have played to date this season. It's crazy to think about, but that happens. And BYU, to their credit, woke up just in time to stave that off. They actually held the lead for a large portion of that first uh, first half, despite their misgivings and the fact they only had nine, oh, by the way, 19 offensive plays in the first half. That's not good enough. BYU had eight minutes of total time of possession in the first half. It was just abysmal, abysmal in that first half. And BYU slept, out, slept, walked their way through it. To their credit, uh, whatever was said in the locker room uh, woke them up and they got going. And they've got to be better about starting faster, especially against the likes of Notre Dame and Arkansas. And, uh, uh, man, This podcast is kind of droning on and on. We got to wrap it up here in just a minute, but I think the bigger thing is I'm going to go back and watch this game on film review, and I cannot wait to compare what I took away in the moment, like this podcast, versus what I'm going to have to say after I rewatch the tape. I'm interested to see if my feelings are the exact same or if they changed. I will admit, I actually thought the Wyoming game, I thought BYU performed far better in the Wyoming game after rewatching the game a second time than I did in the moment. We'll see if I feel the same uh, when it comes to this. This game. All right, another a comment, a few comments here before we go here. Josh Chisholm, the play calling was just terrible in this game. It didn't feel like the guys were ready to play again. Is coaching an issue? Uh, it's an interesting one. It's Jay Chizzy 21 on Twitter. Josh, that's an interesting take. I, I thought that the play calling at times a suspect. I know there were boo birds out when you ran it on the third and nine uh, to the short side of the field. That one was a little bit bizarre. I, I get that. But... I- I think that there, there are more issues at play than just the the coaching uh, aspect to this. Can the coaching be better? Absolutely. I think BYU went into this game realizing, you know what? We probably are going to be facing a quarterback. We don't have a lot of tape on, and we don't, don't necessarily have a game plan for him. We're going to have to fill this out in the early going. You're talking more about the play calling on the offensive side of the football. Uh, I don't know. I think that the BYU offensive line, they have disappointed Honestly, they have disappointed up to this point. Is that a coaching issue? Maybe so. But maybe there's some individual accountability that the BYU offensive line has to take as well. And I think Clark Barrington has spoken to that. He says, we've got to be better as a unit. We've got to be better individually. We've got to just be better overall. And... I don't know. Uh, I think that there are there is like the chicken and the egg situation right now. Is, is it the coaching or is it the players? Which is it? Uh, I'll tell you this much. I'll tell you that coaches will tell you that uh, good players make them look like geniuses. And when they don't necessarily have the horses, they don't look like so much geniuses. I, I know that seems overly simplistic, but in some ways that, that's right. Um, all right. Next thing here. Our, um Axel at Civic Axel says, first half, awful. Except, Ma- except Max Tuli Absolute stud. Second half. In three, we trust Brooks surprised surprisingly Cody Epps is underrated and Cosmo is one of the best, if not the best college mascot looking forward to the new episode. Axel, thank you for your comments. Uh, it's kind of crazy in three, they do trust in the second half. And that's what Kalani actually said when he was talking with Gregor Bell in the post game. He actually said we dropped to a three man alignment actually did better against the run. That was weird, but it is kind of crazy to think about, uh, Christopher Brooks did run strong in that second half. You'd like to see more of that early on in the game. Like, where is that that one cut and drive up field that we saw in the fourth quarter uh, against Wyoming and in the fourth quarter of this game? Why can that not happen in the first quarter? Uh, trust me, I, I think I'm singing praises right now of what you guys are probably saying amen to. It's just... It, It wasn't good enough. And then I guess the final one here, Tanner Mortimer said this, Jake, is that really targeting? Uh, Speaking of the Gabe Judy Lally situation, Uh, my take on it is is it was more of a letter of the law call versus uh, a spirit of the law, if that makes sense. The targeting deal, I'm not a fan of kicking these young men out of football games. I'll I'll say that right up front. But targeting is part of the game. And BYU uh, lost a guy to this. And also uh, Utah State lost a guy to targeting calls, neither of which to me were... I, I, they were not okay. Neither of them to me were guys trying to take a guy's head off and injure a guy. That that's what targeting's for. It's to, to is to make sure the guys aren't trying to use their head or their helmet as a weapon to injure an opposing player. I didn't feel like either one of the hits, whether it was Gabe, Judy, Lally, and I forget the, the player from Utah State who got kicked out. What his name was? I didn't think either one of those were necessarily dirty, egregious hits. And. That's my opinion. Your opinion may vary on that. I just didn't think that those two were the ones that are the reason why targeting exists in the first place targeting exists for plays when you just see a guy just absolutely come and lay into an opponent and want to take his head off. So Gabe Judy Lally is going to appeal that I'm sure and hope to get it overturned where he'll be able to play against Notre Dame. Uh, It's hard to really prove that you didn't target in this day and age. So I would assume that that the suspension is going to get upheld. He'll miss the first half against Notre Dame, which is a disappointing thing for BYU. But uh, it's 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 just what it is right now targeting. Like I said, I don't like kicking guys out of football games because they're so few games relative to other sports, but that's the rules as they stand right now. And I felt like both of those, I would have said the Utah state one was more of targeting in my mind versus what Gabe Judy Lally did. But I think both of them were more, Letter of the law versus spirit of the law, if that makes sense. All right, I'm going to get one uh, point in here. Last one. Garrett at SF Garrett, I've seen this come across my Twitter feed a few times uh, tonight as I was do- going through the game. It says, BYU needs to score late in games. Style points matter when you're BYU. Folks, Kalani Satake is not about running it up. He may shift his philosophy at some point in his coaching career, but he comes from the Kyle Whittingham School of Coaching and the Lavelle Edwards School of Coaching. I know Lavelle had some games where they did run it up on teams, but he comes more from the Kyle Whittingham side of things like, all right, we're up two scores. All right, we're going to sit on the football, we're going to take the air out of the ball, and we're going to go home with a victory. That's what. Kalani goes with. That's what Kyle Whittingham is all about up there at Utah. It ain't sexy, it ain't pretty, and it ain't running it up and sticking it to opponents. Yes, would you have liked to see BYU punch it in and get a couple more touchdowns and get that, cover that 24 or 26 point spread depending on which sports book you were looking at? Sure, you could say that you wanted to see that, but it's just not Kalani style. We've seen it too many times at this point, similar to the whole hashtag fire Tuiaki situation. Do you guys really think Elisa Tuiaki is getting fired with a four and one record under their belt right now? No, neither did I. I. So you may want to see them put up style points and put up a gaudy uh, stat line to get the, the voters out there on the East coast who maybe didn't pay attention to, uh, to make them say, Ooh, well, you put up a, a lot of points. So we should move them up in the rankings. Yeah, that'd be great. It's just not Kalani style. And that, I I guess I I don't have much more than that. Those are the two things I think right now at this point. Style points and fire Tuiaki, we're seven years in, folks. They haven't done it at this point. What makes you think they're going to do it now? I don't know. Uh, maybe something will force their hand at some point, but right now it just doesn't look like that is the way things are going to go. All right. I got to wrap this up. Uh, we are way over time on today's show. So a big thank you for all of your comments. And th- once again, uh, I, I didn't get to nearly uh, even like a, a, a 20th of them that came in on social media, a huge thank you. A shout out to all of you for your support of the podcast. As always, thank you for making us your first listen. This is going to be going up overnight, but thank you for your support of the podcast. As always, I'll be watching the tape over the weekend. I may, uh, if I get bored over the weekend, maybe I'll drop a a general conference edition of Locked On Cougars. Who knows? We'll see what happens. But of course, we'll be back on Monday, looking ahead to Notre Dame, the matchup down there in Sin City, the Catholics versus the Mormons. Can we say Mormons? We're going with it, anyways. We'll get you ready for that. Thank you once again for your support. As always, this has been the Locked On Cougars podcast. See you.